Hey, this is Josh Howard, and you're listening to the Forgotten Math Podcast. Yeah, Forgotten Mavericks. Huh. Forgotten Mavericks. Yeah, Forgotten Mavericks. Yeah, Forgotten Mavericks. Let's get it. Mike Frailer, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Forgotten Maverick Podcast. For this episode, we're joined by former Mav Joe Hassett. A 6'5 shooting guard out of Providence College, Joe was a member of the inaugural Mavericks team in 1980. Joe was also one of the original sharpshooters in the NBA, making the first three-pointer in Mavs history. Today, he is a financial advisor in Providence and also provides color commentary for the Providence Friars basketball team. Thanks for listening, and now here's Joe Hassett. Hi, Joe. Hey. Hello, Mike. Good. How are you doing today? Good. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to call me today. I'm, ex- I'm excited to talk to you, and uh, I promise I won't take too much of your time. Uh, no problem. You out of Chicago, Mike? I well, I'm born and raised in Dallas, um, but I uh-huh. uh, I used to live in Chicago. And while I was there, kind of funny story, I uh, I changed uh, cell phone providers, and I ended up losing my Dallas number because of it. So I just got a Chicago number, and that was. Oh gosh, seven, eight years ago. And I just, you know, it's just a phone number. I don't really care to change it back. It was kind of a pain dealing with a new number when I got one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody, when people move around now, they just keep the one they had originally. So you never know where they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But a uh, Dallas native, but I spent about four and a half years up there. Uh, but then I ended up coming home. So Nice. All right. Yeah, I lived I lived in Addison, Texas when I played down there, which is the, I remember because it was the only uh wet area uh in Dallas yes. at the time. Everything around it was dry, so all the business people wanted to move into Addison. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's actually uh uh they that has since changed and not too many years ago, still fairly recently when that changed. But um yeah, I remember that's where uh if we went to go buy beer or anything like that, we would just drive to Addison. Um yeah. uh yeah or and then I actually, I was a, a waiter in Dallas for several years. And, um, you know, even if a, a couple was obviously in their sixties or seventies, I had to cart them and get them to like join them, like the restaurant as a private club. So they could have even just one beer or a glass of wine there. It was uh, very strict for several years, but it has since uh, lightened up. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. In this day and age, you didn't think it would be like that. But I was surprised. I never heard of such a thing when I was there, you know, being <laughs> from the East Coast. I said, what's the wet, dry area? What, they got the uh, problem with the water under the table there, you know, or, you know, water table? I said, shit. <laughs> so. Yeah, but yeah, that's uh, that has since changed. But yeah, it's, I mean, I'm only 32. And I mean, as a, I want to say it's maybe just in the last 10 years that they've lightened up, maybe even less than that. Oh, good. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Good but, area. Yeah, but uh, I, you know, I'm excited to talk to you. I, for the past uh, 15 months or so, I've been talking with a lot of former Dallas Mavericks and learning more about them and their 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 story and you know their their basketball journey and uh, talk about a little bit more in depth about their time in Dallas and um, and then maybe a little bit more about their career and just and just find out what they're doing now. And I'm excited to talk to you because you know I haven't talked to uh, too many guys from the original inaugural team here. Um, I think the only two that I've talked to 
uh, and one of them came after you arrived, but I did talk with Scott Lloyd. I did an episode mm-hmm. with him, and then another guy, Stan Petkovich, who I believe arrived once uh, after you moved on from Dallas. Yeah. Yeah, well, I wasn't there very long. Um, I remember I went in the um, expansion draft. Mm-hmm. I was kind of di- to be honest, I was disappointed I, I would pick because back then in the expansion draft, uh, each team could only protect eight guys out of 12. Mm-hmm. And I was, with the, I was with the Indiana Pacers, and I actually had a pretty good year that year. I was third in the NBA and three-pointers made, um, which was funny. And I, you know, I, I say that today, but you know, I made 73 of them that year, and I was third in the league and three-pointers made. I mean, Seth Curry makes 73 in about two weeks. Yeah, yeah no, that's very <laughs> that's, true. That's how much – that's how much the game has changed, but I'm proud of the fact that I got um, I'm I'm the first player to hit a three pointer in that Dallas Mavericks history. That's something I wanted uh, to talk to you about. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I thought that was such a a cool little um, fact. And uh, you know, a lot of people when they talk about Mavericks history, they talked about Abdul Jelani making the first field goal, but you never hear about who made the first three. But that was you, Joe Hassett. So I thought that was a cool fact. Yeah, that was fun. But I remember when I was picked um, by Dallas, um, you know, Indiana Pacers offered them a second-round draft pick in cash not to take me, but but Dallas had, a, a, you know, they wanted to take one person from every team. So we went to training camp. It was brutal. You had a lot of good players in training camp <laughs> yeah. for just for just 12 spots, you know. And, uh, you know, you look around and say, somebody can't be here. So I was um, – I made the team – uh, originally, but then I was shipped out of there and ended up with the Golden State Warriors afterwards. But, um, you know, Dallas was an interesting place, but uh, I really wanted to stay in Indiana, believe it or not. I mean, mm-hmm. Indiana, I really enjoyed playing at the Pacers. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I can imagine, you know, especially uh, I, I don't think any player, you know, that's had some experience, um, especially, you know, winning a championship that like you did with Seattle. And uh, I believe it was your second year, correct? Right. We got yeah. to the finals my first two my first two years in the league. We were in the finals. We got beat the first year um, with Seattle. And, you know, we at the time, we were only the third team in NBA history to lose the seventh game of, of a championship series at home. We had the seventh game yeah. at home and we lost that game. But next year we came back and played the same team and and uh, won in five games. I mean, uh, it was a great win. Jack Sickmore was terrific in that series, and Paul Silas and mm-hmm. uh, Gus Williams. Dennis Johnson has since passed away. He was MVP of that series. He was just unbelievable. You, know, you talk about – I know we're talking about the Mavericks here, but you talk about that team. I mean, Dennis Johnson, the fourth and fifth game of that NBA Finals, he played 48 minutes both games, never came out of the game, either game. That's incredible. Yeah, in today's day and age with all the substitution that goes on, you don't see that very often. <laughs> no, you don't. But, yeah, I mean, I could imagine why, you know, after winning a championship and, and being happy in, in Indiana, it would be, you know, you might, might not be so receptive to coming to, I mean, somewhere far away and an expansion team at that. So, um, you know, when, when you did when you did come here and there was that training camp, I mean, what are your, your memories of that training camp, you know, with, with – I'm assuming Dick Mata was running things and, um, you know, I'm just, I, you know, I couldn't find too much information on that training camp. Do you remember like where it was held or do you have any very specific memories about, about your time, uh, leading up to the, uh, inaugural season in Mavericks history? Yeah, I remember, uh, training camp because it was a hundred degrees when we were down there. It was very hot and we practiced, I don't know if it was a, a church 
gym, uh, some gym, but it did have it. It did have air conditioning. You know, it's not like today where you know Mark Cuban's done a great job with the Mavericks. I mean, he's terrific. He, you know, he's one of the pioneers of getting a, a first class plane for those guys. Uh, you know, they have their own jet now, but we, you know, we didn't do any of that. But um, now they have their own practice facilities. Every team, but we were practicing. Yeah, I think it was in a, a, a church somewhere with that, with the only place that had air conditioning. <laughs> and um, yeah, I remember. Um, uh, Jack Givens and I were roommates, Goose Givens. Uh, I think that was the, the, the camp. And, um, we would drive over in his car to get taped. Uh, and then, and that was it. We stayed in training camp. Um, you know, back in those days, you'd be in training camp about seven or eight days, double sessions, maybe even nine days. And then you start exhibition season, you know, and, and I remember we bounced around. I knew we weren't going to win many games. Um, I had a former, teammate with me um from seattle on that team uh tommy lagarde he would he would be, he would play yeah. the center position yeah tom and i were on that team together and you know jim spinaco was on that team originally as well uh he does the new jersey nets games now but mm-hmm. yeah i mean it was it was a good group of guys but i mean you know when you look around you only had 12 spots when you have 30 guys in camp that's it's a very competitive camp. It was the most competitive camp I've ever been in. That's for sure. <laughs> that's interesting. Um, do you think it was your your three point shooting that secured you a, a spot on the on the initial roster? You know, it's funny. Uh, the three pointer was was um, very you know in its infancy at the time. But um, I remember back when the when the three pointer first came out. You know, the average attempts of three pointers was like one and a half attempt a game. Yeah. The first couple of years of the three-pointer. And now there's like 36 or 37 attempts a game per team. Mm-hmm. But I think that did help because a lot of the coaches back then, they didn't like the three-pointer. You know, the old NBA guys thought it was a gimmick. And they, they didn't really want to adjust to the three-point shot. They wanted to do the old traditional way, get the ball inside to the big guy, and then you know maybe you, you throw it out for an open jumper at the end of a shot clock. But nobody really incorporated the three-point shot into the NBA game back then in the 80, you know, in the 80s, 81, 82. Um, but Slick Leonard was at Indiana, the coach. He was an old ABA coach, so he ran plays for the three-point shot. Mm-hmm. So I think some of the some of the guys, like Dick Motta was an old-school coach. I mean, he coached the Washington Bullets. They were called the Bullets back when we beat yeah. him with the Sonics. Yeah, he was an old-school coach. He, you know, the three-point shot he could care less about. But um, I would take them, and, you know, if I made them, I stayed in the game. And if I missed them, I came out, you know, like, what are you doing taking that shot? But, you know, you had, it was a whole different culture today, but you had to try to change it back then. But I think I had a pretty good camp. I shot the ball pretty well. And, um, you know, they're going to use, you know, it was a jump shooter's league back then when you get to the big guy. But if you had an open shot, you know, you'd take it. But the three-pointer started to get more and more recognition as each year went by. Yeah, it definitely did. And I, I know your your totals went up. Um, and speaking of, uh, you know, how you mentioned earlier that you hit the first three-pointer in Mavericks history, just what do you remember specifically from that game? You know, you don't see many expansion teams winning their the first game in franchise history. So do you have any specific memories of, you know, the, the locker room that day or just the game itself and uh, what happened afterwards? Because, I mean, it's, it's pretty cool that the Mavericks uh, won the first game in, in their franchise's history. Yeah, you know, I I don't remember that one. Um, Well, I remember um, there was one game I remember in particular. We were playing the Houston Rockets. Um, I had a pretty decent game that night, and uh, we were 
Tommy Lagarde and I were playing a pick and roll and we had an, uh, you know, I had a couple of three pointers and we had an opportunity. We were down two, you know, with like 10 seconds to go and Dick Motter set up a play where I come off the, the screen up on top of the top of the key and, and shoot a three pointer to win the game. You know, I wanted to go for the win and, and I shot it and the ball spun in and out and didn't go in and we got beat by two. Oof. And I remember going to locker room that game and, um, and Dick says, uh, Joe, don't worry about it, man. Things can always get worse. And two days later, I was on waivers. <laughs> so I said I said to myself, I said, I guess I should have made that shot. Maybe I could have lasted another week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, uh, that's a funny story. Um, uh, thank, thank you for sharing that. But, yeah, and as I was, you know, scouring the uh, some old box scores from that team, um, it looks like, at least to the best of my knowledge, you, you maybe you made the first three three pointers in Mavericks history. So that might be something you can uh, you can brag about to your friends. It's not it's not just the first. I think you made the first three. <laughs> well, I know I made the first one. I didn't know about the other ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I thought. I mean, I, I enjoyed enjoyed reading that. Um, and I'm I'm kind of curious. You you just mentioned how you were eventually released from the team. Um, how, how were you notified at the time? Was it just like a meeting or a phone call? I'm just, I'm kind of curious, like the logistics behind waving a player, especially, you know, at that time, 1980. Well, they just call you up, but sometimes you're, if you're at practice, you know, they call you in the coaches and say, listen, we're going to uh, release you. And, uh, and that was, that's the way it happened. I think it was after a practice. So, um, I just packed up my gear my uh, with my wife and my, I had one son at the time and, and we came back to Rhode Island and then mm-hmm. I ended up signing, signing a contract with the Golden State Warriors and I was, I was there for three years and then I dislocated my left shoulder and I couldn't play anymore. And that was the end of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, speaking of your, your Warriors um, stint, I found some, some footage of you online. I think there was a game against the Lakers where you made four three-pointers and five possessions, which even today that would be remarkable. But um, I can't even imagine what that was like, you know, in 82, I believe it was. in. Um, do you remember that particular game at, at the Great Western Forum? Oh, yeah, I remember that one because um, that was a CBS game, if I remember. You know, back then, you know, you didn't get a lot of games on television. Uh, ESPN had just started in, in 1979. Uh, so you didn't get a lot of uh, games on. So CBS had the contract. Sometimes they would do tape delay. That's how late it was. But I wanted to get in that game before it was too late because it was an 8 o'clock game on the West Coast. So it would be, you know, 11 o'clock at, in, in Rhode Island. So uh, I wanted to get in before halftime because everybody goes to bed before halftime. So I got it got it going pretty good in that game. And, you know, Al Adels would run. You know, the NBA, the cool thing about NBA is if you get hot, they keep running plays for you until your arms mm-hmm. fall off. So, <laughs> and I loved it because I'll keep shooting until they do fall off, you know. But yeah. um, it was a lot of fun. I mean, uh, I like that Golden State Warriors team. I like Al Adels. He was a good guy. Um, and we had a good club. Uh, but, the, you know, it's funny. He was an old traditional coach, too. And you talk about the three-pointer. Um, he didn't really like it. I remember one game I came down. I know we're supposed to talk about the Mavericks, but I remember the Warriors. I came down one time, and we're down five with like a minute and a half to go, and I come down on the fast break and rose up and took the three right in front of the bench. And that, while I'm letting it go, Al Adels is yelling, what are you doing? And I, it went in, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but yeah. it went in, you know. And uh, uh, we were playing the Knicks at the time, and they called timeout, and I was down two. And, uh, you know, we're only one possession away from tying it. We'll end up winning the game. Bernard King was on our team at that time. We end up 
he wins the game at the buzzer. And um, the three-pointer was a big reason why. But it was funny how the, the old coaches, they really didn't think about taking threes. They wanted to get it to the basket all the time. But I took a chance there. If I missed it, I probably would have got cut again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I took a chance and let it go. That's all. <laughs> That's uh, I mean, I enjoy hearing things like that, regardless of whether it was with the Mavs or not. Um, I mean, I know your your stint was short here, so I did want to talk to you some about about your your Warriors experience. And then I I listened to another podcast you did maybe two or three years ago, and I believe there was a a game maybe at, uh, against the Knicks where um, you were taking a three to force overtime, but. Uh, do you remember that and, and the situation that unfolded prior to that? It was kind of interesting and definitely when it happened today. Yeah, I remember that was with I was with the Warriors and I was with the Pacers, the Indiana Pacers. Oh, okay, okay. And we were, we were playing the Knicks in the Garden, and you know that was the I think it was it was the first year of the three pointer. It was 1980, mm-hmm. and um, I hadn't played the whole second half. I hadn't even played a minute, and we're down three with two seconds to go. And Slick Leonard was the coach of the Pacers, and he was an old ABA coach. So he had plays for three-point shot. So I come in the game, and uh, we set a double, I was setting a double screen for Johnny Davis, who had a heck of a career. He ended up playing with the Portland Trailblazers. They won the NBA title with uh, Bill Walton. Great guy, too. So we set, he had about 25 in the game. Alex Inglis had 41 points. So we're setting screens for Johnny Davis for to come up the top of the key to take a three-pointer to try to tie the game. Mm-hmm. And Michael Ray, Richardson, Michael Ray Richardson and uh, Ray Williams were the guards. And Michael Ray Richardson was guarding me. So I set the screen, and he jumps out to switch on Johnny Davis. And my job was to slip to the corner, the same side as the ball, in front of the Knicks bench. I'm wide open. So the ball comes in to me. I, I set my feet. Boom, took the three-pointer and made it. And we get to overtime. We won the game in overtime. And I was making fun. I was busting Alex Inglis' chops. He's sitting next to me. And I hit the three-pointer. And, and I, you know, you're in New York, and you got the New York Times and, you know, the New York Post. They come over and interview me. I had seven points in the game, and they're all talking about my three-pointer at the end. I said, Alex, you had 41. If you didn't score yours, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you got to – but it was funny because nobody set up plays to run the three-point shot, and I just happened to make that one, and we got into overtime. But Alex is in the Hall of Fame now. He's an awesome guy, a great player too, but he's the guy who put us in that position. But it was fun, I mean, especially doing it in New York. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I can imagine that. And I believe you were on the Today Show after that, right? Is that the game that you made an appearance on there? Yeah, they they interviewed me for that um, back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had a microphone from NBC talking about the three point shot because you know it was, it was relatively new and and well it was brand new in 1980. Mm-hmm. That's so. uh, yeah, that that's really interesting and uh, I I just I enjoy hearing things like that. Um, I know these days you're uh, doing a radio color commentary for Providence basketball, correct? That's correct. Yep. Um, and I know that's where you played your your college ball prior to the prior to the NBA. Uh, how long have you been doing the? Uh, I guess how did you end up as uh, doing uh, radio for Providence? Well, that's a good one. Um, I remember I came back from playing with Golden State, and I, I went working in the investment business, and I was at Fleet Bank, which is. Um, uh, and I'm working in the municipal bond department. And uh, ironically, you probably uh, recognize this name, Lou Lamorello, who was the athletic director of Providence College at the time. He ended up taking over the New Jersey Devils, and the New Jersey Devils 
have won three Stanley Cup championships with him being president and general manager of the of the organization. But he called me up at work. He says, "Joe, I want you to do color on the PC basketball games." I said, I, "You know, I said, Lou, I've never." I've never done radio in my life. I said, I don't, I don't know how to do that. He says, no, no. He says, I, I want you to do that. He says, you'd probably be good at it. I said, all right, I'll take a shot at it. So he's the one who asked me to do it. And I've been doing it now for 33 years, but it's funny, a hockey guy, um, asked me to do basketball for, for the school. You know, I know I went there and everything graduated from Providence, but it's been fun. I mean, I'm glad he called me. Yeah, no, that, that's, uh, that's really cool that you've been, at it for so long. Um, and one of the reasons I wanted to ask you about that is because currently, um, I don't know if you're aware of this, you, you probably are, but on the Dallas Mavericks bench as an assistant coach is God sham God. Um, yes. yeah. And I just, I wanted to know what your memories were of him as a player during his time at Providence. Uh, he was sham God was a terrific player. And by the way, he's a terrific coach. You know, when he was at Providence for a couple of years, he worked uh, in, with the guards uh, constantly on their individual games. Like uh, he'd go work with them for hours on their handle and, and do drills with them all, all on his time. I mean, he he made a lot of guys. He worked with Chris Dunn a lot. Chris Dunn was end up being the third pick in the draft. So Shem mm-hmm. was, was a great uh, mentor to uh, Chris Dunn and all the guards at Providence. He did a great job of getting those guys ready. And Dallas is lucky to have him. I, I think he's... He's terrific. He knows the game, and he, you know, he, the kids relate to him because he has uh, that uh, sham god dribble that he's famous for. And, yes. But he had some terrific games at Providence. I mean, I that team went that team was a uh, two two points away from going to the Final Four. They lost to Arizona, and Arizona ended up winning the, the national title that year. And Providence had them beat. Um, uh, Austin Crocher was on that team, and he fouled out with 14 minutes to go, and they still could have won that game. Uh, and Sham was the major reason why. I mean, he really, I mean, nobody could take the ball off him and he could, he could do whatever he wants. I remember one game we're playing, we're getting, we're on the bus getting ready to go to uh, play Duke uh, in, uh, in Milwaukee. And uh, Duke had the coach of Marquette right now, Wojciechowski. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they knew each other from AAU basketball. So uh, Sham sitting next to me on the bus, and he's 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 fired up and ready to go. And he goes, "Hey, Hass," he says, uh, "You know, tonight when we come out, he says Duke's gonna come out of one of those timeouts. You know how they all slap the floor like they want to play defense." Mm-hmm. He says, "When when when Wojo does that, he says I'm just gonna clear the floor and I'm gonna dunk on somebody." So <laughs> so sure enough, Rollins is up like ten at the time, and um. Duke comes out there, a little bit of a run. They come out and they all slam, touch, damp, you know, bang the floor and get in a defensive position. And Wojciechowski's getting ready to play Sham God. And I'm doing the radio. Sham looks it over me and points to, to Wojciechowski and laughs at me. And I, I couldn't believe it. He said, you remember what he said to me on the bus? Big smile on his face. He gets the ball, goes the length of the court and dunks it. I mean, he just <laughs> took everybody and just dunked it. And he's running back the floor looking at me laughing. I mean, he was like, <laughs> he called it on the bus. You know, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, he's a typical New York city kid who had a lot of confidence and the guys he was playing with four of them were from New York city as well. So when they showed up on the floor, they expected to win. And he was the leader. He was the leader of that team. Then you throw in Austin Crocia, a kid from Los Angeles who can shoot the lights out at six ten. I mean, had a great career, played with the Pacers and Larry, Bird, he was Larry Bird's first round pick. 
So that was a heck of a team, and uh, the personalities on that team were, were priceless. And he was he was the lead guy. Sham was the guy. Yeah, uh, actually, uh, Crozier actually played a year in Dallas too after his time in Indiana. Oh yeah, Austin. He was unbelievable. As a freshman, he just came in and, you know, he's finding his way. He was like a baby colt, you know. He didn't know what to expect out of him. And then he just got better and better and better. And, you know, here's a guy who could shoot threes at 6'10 when the three-pointer was, you know, it was, it was kind of coming on the scenes. But um, he really took it to another level and he could make that shot plus get to the basket. I mean, he, could, he, was, uh, he was a solid player, very smart player, Austin was. Yeah, I, I enjoyed watching him play. Uh, he was uh, a little bit older by the time he got here, but I remember uh, specifically in the, uh, the NBA Finals against the Lakers, he kind of had his coming out party and played really well for the Pacers that series. I remember that. He was, he was fun to watch. Oh, yeah. He, he played great in that series. And, you know, Bird saw a lot in him and took him. And, um, you know, he, he, he was rewarded for it because he played well in that series. Indiana could have won it. Yeah, yeah, they they were right there. So I know uh, Providence has a game tonight, right? Yeah, we play UMass tonight. Yep, good win last last uh, this past uh, Tuesday. We beat Boston College at Boston College. Um, there's a lot of good freshmen at Providence that I really, I really enjoy. That's uh, that's really yeah. cool to hear. Uh, it's uh, I, I think it's cool that you have such a lifelong connection to the school and that you've been doing uh, the radio broadcast for for so long i think i have just one last question for you and it's um typically how i i like to end these conversations when i'm talking to a uh, a former dallas maverick so i usually like to ask them a question a little bit on their their memory and i know you weren't in dallas for the full season just maybe a couple months if that but so i, I kind of dwindled it down a little bit i'm looking at all of your maverick teammates that played in the very first uh, game, the, the game that the Mavericks won against San Antonio. Um, let me see how many names I got here. There's 12 names on it, including you. I wanted to see how many of them you could name. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I mean, I, um, I'm thinking uh, maybe Tommy Lagarde, mm-hmm. um, Abdul Jelani, you already mentioned. Yeah. Um, Jim Spinnacle. Correct. Yeah. Um, Shoot, that's good. I, I, you know, after that, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I can, I can name it for you. There's actually six guys that scored in double figures. You were one of them. Uh, so you know, there's a lot of guys contributing. But you had uh, Jeff Houston. Um, oh yeah, Jeff Houston, a good uh, left-handed guard, went play for the Knicks. Yeah. Uh, Winford Boynes. Oh yeah, Winford Boynes played at uh, University of San Francisco. He was a good player. Daryl Allums. I remember Daryl Allums. Yeah, he he was there. Jerome Whitehead. Oh yeah, Jerome Whitehead was the center for Marquette in college. Yeah, he was a he was a good player. Yeah, Richard Washington. Yeah, Richard Washington and I, I remember uh, he he and I were seniors in high school, and I played in the Kutch's, uh Monticello, New York uh, high school American game, and uh, Richard Washington was coming in from L.A. He was considered the number one high school player coming out that year, and he oh, went wow. to UCLA. Yeah, you went to UCLA. Really yep. cool. Uh, Austin Carr? Oh, yeah, Austin Carr. <laughs> Austin Carr, that's a great name. He, he does the he does the Cleveland Cavaliers games now. But I remember Austin Carr. That's how old Austin Carr was. <laughs> he was he was my counselor at Red Orbach's camp when I was in the I was in the 8th grade. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and I went and I went to Red Orbach's camp and he was my counselor. <laughs> he was at Notre Dame. He was at Notre Dame at the time. Yep. 
Uh, so just a couple more here. Ralph Drawlinger. Oh, yeah, Ralph. He was a center, I think. He might have been at Kansas or UCLA. I can't remember where he yeah. played. I believe it was UCLA. I know he had some uh, pretty uh, uh, significant injury problems and wasn't there very long, but he did play in that game. And then the final mm-hmm. one is Marty Burns. Oh, yeah, Marty Burns went to Syracuse. Yeah, Marty was a good player, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. I remember everybody on the squad now, but I couldn't tell you yeah. who they were there for a minute. Yeah, no, uh, I, I, I enjoy doing that. Um, you know, the, the early 80s Mavs were a little bit before my time, but, I, you know, I enjoy talking to guys like you guys that were there at the beginning and learning more about it and, and learning more about them. And um, I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to call me today, Joe. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I enjoy these conversations, and it's pretty cool talking to uh, you know a guy who who made the first three pointer in Mavericks history, and who also for a few years there was the NBA's all time leader in three pointers made. So I think that's a cool <laughs> thing to claim for yourself. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, it was fun being in the NBA. I wish I didn't get hurt, but um, I enjoyed it. And um, you know, Dallas, I, I like their team now. I watched them play. Uh, Rick Carlisle's a play for the Celtics. He's been the coach yeah. there forever, but. Yeah, I'm rooting for, for him and the Mavericks, and uh, I'm rooting for Sham God to do well down there. But I like that team. They got a kid from Northeastern, J.J. Barea, who played oh, against yeah. us. He, he's terrific. I mean, you look at him, you think, hey, there's no way he's going to play in the NBA. He's been there for like 30 years now. He's done a heck of a job, that kid. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it, I'm about 5'9", uh, maybe 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, and a couple of years ago, I was at the grocery store, just regular Saturday, Sunday errands. I turn around, and J.J. Barea is right behind me, and we were eye-to-eye. <laughs> yeah, and, think uh, about how good he was. He oh, came into yeah. Providence one year. We played him northeast, and he came into Providence one year, and he scored 35. Oh, wow. I said, how is this guy getting the shots off? He's not big enough, and he just he's just really crafty. He's, he's done terrific. I mean, I'm really, he's really, he's a lot of fun to watch. Plus, he's won NBA title down there. That's been great. Yeah, no, he, he is fun to watch, and he's still playing at a very high level. Um, it's yeah, he's uh, he's fantastic. Well, like I said, Joe, thank you, thank you so much for for calling into this. I really appreciate it, and best of luck to Providence tonight in your game against UMass. All right, thanks, Mike. Good talking to you. You too. All right, have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.